are listening to The Cooler Ring, a podcast made for manufacturing marketers. Here are Carmen Perry and Jeff White. Welcome to The Cooler Ring, a podcast for manufacturing marketers brought to you by Cooler Partners. My name is Jeff White. Joining me today is Carmen Perry. Carmen, how are you doing, mate? I am doing well and uh, and good to be chatting with you as always. Yeah, yeah. Looking forward to, uh, to our discussion today. Yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, I, I think we've... Um, uh, you know, you can't live through uh, the pandemic without um, uh, obviously reflecting on its impact on our businesses and uh, our clients and uh, those we work with. And and uh, we, I think we've had a, a you know a few discussions about how um, uh, businesses ha- has have had to adjust, manufacturers have had to adjust in this time, uh, particularly around trade shows. But uh, yeah. I think, uh, today's guest is going to uh, expand upon that quite a bit for us, and I think it's uh, it's coming at a great time because, of course, um, you know we're, we're we got to begin this thing for the long haul. I mean, the pandemic isn't going away in three Certainly weeks, isn't. Um, and and, uh, and today's guest I think has been uh, a little bit more advanced than uh, some in how and uh, how she's thinking about it and evolving uh, her organization. So I'm excited for today's conversation. Yeah, I think it should be really good. So joining us today is Jacqueline Wallace, and Jacqueline is the Director of Marketing at Netterman. Welcome to the Cooler Ring, Jacqueline. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Um, Jack, where are you joining us from? You're from uh, North Carolina, I think, is where you're Yes, I am based in Charlotte, North Carolina. It's uh, Netterman's uh, America's division headquarters. So we're right in the heart of uh, wood furniture manufacturing, close to our customers in the wood segment. Um, Netterman is an industrial air filtration company. So we are in the business of creating clean air for manufacturers across many different industries. Um, So definitely with COVID, that is a very timely and relevant subject about creating clean air. So um, it's a very interesting time, exciting, but of course, no one wants to really be in a pandemic. It's definitely been some, uh, a challenge for a lot of um, our industry segments. Um, And I'll, I'll get into that later in terms of how there's some new opportunities due to this pandemic, but definitely a lot of challenges as a marketer. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, you know, talk about, uh, I mean, when you're a company that, uh, basically a clean air company, um, you want people to want what you sell, but you don't want them to want it this way. And yeah, so, exactly. <laughs> Not like that. Yeah. Um, tell, tell us a bit about, um, you know, what you saw in the early days of the pandemic. Yeah, so in the early days of the pandemic, I'd say right around mid-March was the height of the hysteria, paranoia, very um, knee-jerk reactions in terms of either cutting spend or trying to really understand what the year is going to look like to weather this storm that we have no idea how long it's going to last. We're looking at all these different market reports and metrics, and um, it was really interesting. So a lot of the trade shows, we were almost prematurely um, backing out of because we didn't think that attendees would feel safe attending them. And then I saw some trade show companies, they were trying to wait very last minute, 11th hour to pull the plug on the show, you know, refunding to exhibitors or, you know, reallocating those funds to the next year, or a lot of them have pivoted to a 
pure digital platform or event, which is interesting because it's the first time that these organizations have ever put on an all virtual event. So as an exhibitor, it's very, I would say, um, nerve wracking to keep those funds invested with those organizations because they have not proven out this concept at all. They were primarily, you know, offline events for years, like dozens of years. Um, but then we also saw an influx in digital focus from our side as well in terms of doing webinars. We had really great engagement in the beginning um, over, you know, we had hundreds of attendees when normally we would have gotten dozens. <laughs> so it's it was really interesting to see our customers sitting at home and wanting to attend webinars and a lot of our OEMs and um, partners in the wood industry were putting on really great digital live events, but not in person. So seeing all these huge machinery come to life over a webcam was really interesting. And I was like, wow, we really need to invest in some of this technology as I'm planning for 2021. Like, I think this type of concept is here to stay. Um, and as a marketer, you really have to kind of learn the new tools of the trade. I'm not a, I'm not an AV person at all. So I have to understand what type of skill set I need if I want to grow my team as well going forward to support these types of digital initiatives. I, I really appreciate you, um, uh, kind of, uh, not casting doubt. That might be a bit strong, but you know, I, I guess questioning the value of these uh, virtual trade show events and, and noting that a lot of these organizations haven't put them on before. And uh, frankly, when it's a cornerstone of your marketing uh, year and your marketing calendar, when it's an in-person event, you know, you demand a lot of ROI out of that or you ought to. And, and um, you know, I, I've talked to a lot of marketers who have expressed hesitancy, but they haven't kind of been as pointed as you were and say, you know what, it's the first, uh, this is the first rodeo for a lot of these people. And we're not sure we want to be on the back of that bull. You yeah. know? And I, we've, you know, we've heard from, uh, we had Michelle Edmondson from IMTS on the show a couple of weeks ago. And, uh, you know, they're, you know, they're having a hard time also trying to understand exactly what people are going to want from those shows. You know, this isn't the show about trade shows, but you know, it certainly is the case that uh, everyone is struggling to figure out exactly how a virtual event can replace an in-person one. Yeah. IMTS is a great example where it's mind blowing to me listening or reading the reports of how much money McCormick place has lost this year. It's like in the, tens of billions. I I can't even wrap my head around just the economic impact of Chicago, just the hot dog vendors, I mean, any, the taxis, the Ubers, everything around McCormick and IMTS. That's such a huge event for this industry. And um, I really feel for everyone who's spent all that time and energy trying to pivot and, and go into the, the digital landscape. And one thing I definitely saw a change from March and April until now is that a lot of um, the trade shows that are doing digital events, they're doing a lot of content on demand rather than live scheduled sessions, which I think is really great because it gives flexibility to our attendees who they're still going to work a nine to five job. They want to learn and be a part of these exhibitions and events and to learn something. That's why our the trade show visitors and customers are attending these shows, either they're going to learn, network, 
look at new technology and procure to solve a need, right? That's the that's marketing 101 is what problem are we helping our customers solve? Um, so having that on-demand template, I think is, is really interesting. And I'm more interested in participating in those types of activities that allow that flexibility. So we can get that ROI. So I really want to, um, I really want to pick up on the, um, uh, the, your kind of uh, the, the, the increased attendance that you saw in those early webinars back in March and April, two things. I'm kind of wondering, ha have you seen that continue? Have those audiences held up? Because I've heard similar comments uh, a couple of months ago, but it's also, I think, I feel it's been a little bit mixed since then. And and then I want to begin to unpack kind of that, the, the evolution of this digital pivot as we look towards 2021 and kind of what you, um, uh, you know, get, get a little bit more under the hood around what, what you're doing to make the organization more digitally savvy as you come into the next year. But First things first, um, attendance to those webinars and those digital events, have you seen that wane a bit or is it still holding up? No, that's a great question. I definitely think um, it's a really crowded space now. So everyone kind of jumped on the bandwagon to, to initiate these on-demand or live events uh, through webinars. And we had a series of webinars in August. So I don't know if it was because of vacation time or it's just it's a crowded space and people are kind of numb to it, um, almost like ads, right, that you see all the time. Like, you don't really want to see them anymore. So now what do we have to do? Like direct mail? Do we have to do something different? I have no idea. Um, so that's something that we're, uh, you know, revisiting, especially for 2021. Like, what, what does that look like? Um, and then just speaking of changes in business in general to a digital space, um, we're finding a lot more engagement in terms of an advertising perspective, like on paid social. Like that's something we didn't really um, participate much in. We were very, in, we're a mature industry. We're going to trade shows. We have the industry magazines and, and paid media that way. But um, we actually found a new business segment due to COVID, which we did not even anticipate in the beginning of the year. It was not a budgeted activity. Um, and that is the aerosol uh, removal or aerosol control, because we are in the business of creating clean air. And we found an influx of interest from dentists who were forced to shut down. And they were frantically searching on Google and scratching their heads about how can they quickly create clean air to satisfy local ordinances. Every state has handled COVID differently for many different or, uh, industries and organizations. So um, somehow people were finding us for aerosol control, gas, vapor, fumes, which is great from an SEO perspective. Clearly some of my keywords were working. Um, <laughs> so there's this whole industry. I don't know anything about marketing to a dentist. And so we had to basically relaunch an existing product and tailor it to the dentist segment, which is almost a B2C play rather than B2B. We do sell through uh, dealers, distributors, um, but I was finding a lot of success using Facebook advertising, social media, um, not so much on LinkedIn. I think understanding the mind of a dentist, like they're playing more in the consumer space. So um I used to be, okay, be in the mind of an engineer. Now I have to be in the mind of a dentist, which is very foreign to me. Um, a lot of my early email campaigns, I was basically insulting my audience 
uh, with my follow-up email saying, you know, thank you, Bob, for filling out a form. You know, it was definitely worded a little bit better, but uh, you're supposed to address these doctors as doctors. They're dentists. They went to school for, they have a lot of degrees. And uh, so that was the one learning point quickly. I was like, oh, I really need to do more homework or research and find who those influencers are in that industry, understanding the landscape of the different, uh, the media for dentists. I, it's like starting from the beginning of understanding that audience. And uh, so I learned a lot in the last, like, I guess it's been three, four months, <laughs> but yeah. I think that's incredible. I mean, just this idea of going from, you know, manufacturing clean air filtration systems for furniture production, and then noticing that you're getting a lot of traffic from an entirely different source and pivoting the entire operation to go after that persona, that group of, uh, of potential customers and seeing actual results and learning from it and making mistakes and, and all of that. I mean, that is a, you know, we just finished an episode talking about getting customer feedback and using it to inform your marketing. That's, that's about the best <laughs> example of actually, you know, listening and finding out that, Hey, there's a real opportunity here. What, how can we service it and what can we do? Yeah, absolutely. And, um, one thing that we're we're still learning today, so we are constantly reiterating. We have this, um, I guess it's a matrix of how we go after different industry segments, like the who, what, where, why, when. Um, so that one PowerPoint slide, we have weekly meetings to go through with our our product management team, marketing, some of the salespeople as well, because they're finding what content is just way over their heads. So we're a very industrial engineering based company. And a lot of the content that we created in the beginning, looking back, I thought we did a good job, like really bringing that up to the top level, like awareness stage. And I'm laughing like they're, this is way over their head. No one understands what we're trying to describe. Either I'm a terrible marketer or we just totally missed the mark, but we thought it was really great. Like our, our distributors and channel partners thought it was really great content too. Um, but I think it was very humbling to say, wow, like maybe this ad's not hitting well. And I was constantly looking the the metrics each week are your digital marketing efforts bringing in too many junk leads? Stop wasting time and distracting your sales team. Account-based marketing can help give your marketing strategy the laser focus on qualified buyers that you need to increase your pipeline velocity, close more deals, and grow your business faster. We've created a sample manufacturing ABM plan to help you get started. Download the sample manufacturing ABM plan at bit.ly slash sample ABM. That's B-I-T dot L-Y slash sample abm i would be curious like I, I guess what was the um the response or, or i guess um uh, was it feedback directly from the dentist that you were marketing to uh that led you to realize that this uh copy the tone and the angle that you were taking was perhaps too technical and missing the mark or did you was it just not getting the results that you wanted so you decided to pivot how did that uh i think um the types of questions that we were getting from some major partners that we're trying to go through that channel. Like they're, these are some major players in the dental industry. They had questions on very different topics that had nothing, like it wasn't even covered in our brochure or it just, they didn't have any interest in what we were saying on certain 
key topics that we thought, oh yeah, they're definitely going to understand like source capture versus portable air cleaning. So it's not about like the, the clean air. No one wants to buy air filtration. I hate to say that, right? And I, I do work for a clean air company, but it's something like you said that in the beginning, like no one wants to have to address this issue. We hope that one day we won't have to have our product or we'll, it'll be about being more productive or optimizing your clean air and being able to like analyze and pull data. So we're trying to be the clean air company from a technology standpoint and having more smart filters and that type of technology and IOT and remote monitoring. Um, but at the end of the day, like this is something we want clean air just to, to happen. We want to be productive in the manufacturing environment without sacrificing the clean air of the world. That's kind of what we're talking about. But I found that a lot of the messaging that is kind of piquing people's interest is some of the themes that we developed for the welding segment, which is really interesting. So it's all about, we can't find welders today. This is something that is well known. Kids out of technical school, they're making you know $100 an hour versus someone with a college degree. So like we desperately need welders, we need tradespeople. So for the welding segment, you wanna recruit the best talent by ensuring that they have a great work environment, right? You, you pride yourself that you're creating clean air, you're, you're um, combating the weld fumes, you want healthy people to come to work every day. And we also wanna reduce absenteeism. We don't want people to take sick days. Um, you wanna feel healthy and productive at work. So we wanna translate that to the dental segment where these dental hygienists, they're the ones who are cleaning your teeth. They're the ones that are most exposed. Like, I don't know, we're trying to find industry statistics right now about how many open jobs are there for the dental hygienists or the um, dental professionals. Um, so we want to tie some of our air filtration value props into benefits around the dental practice, right? Like you're saving money, you're being more productive. So that's that was interesting. A lot of the playbooks that we've already developed in different segments, we can easily translate them over to dental. We just didn't understand that side of the business. And uh, so once we started touching on those themes, we got more interest from some of our partners and uh, even end users and customers. So yeah, it was a lot of feedback from the leads. You know, I'm very hyper looking at the data. So sales and marketing needs to be totally aligned on the types of questions I'm asking on the forms. Um, you know, how do we develop these leads to make sure that we can pass them off to a dealer or a channel partner? Um, so really understanding your market and talking to your salespeople as well to get that feedback is, is essential too. So um, I never thought that we would be sitting here in September talking about dental aerosols at all, like, or, or knowing how my marketing plan looked back in, you know, November, December is when I'm laying that out for the next year. And uh, this was not even a key segment. Like we have existing product that handles lab fumes and vapors and solder fumes, but that wasn't a key segment for us. And now it's like, this is our focus right now is the aerosols for dental. I think that's, that's incredibly interesting. And one of the other things that, uh, that you had mentioned and and you've talked a bit about it here is just how you know the the KPIs have changed for for what you're looking at you know you're you're getting 
less traffic, but more engagement. Um, how have you, and, and you just noted a few moments ago that, you know, you're really looking at the data and kind of seeing how things are going. What are the, you know, what KPIs are, are new that, that you've introduced or, or that have uh, your expectations been adjusted or, or what have you? Yeah. So when I was brought into Netterman uh, two years ago, um, I knew as a engineering oriented organization, I, I'm used to that. I, I've been doing that my entire career is convincing engineers why you need marketing and, and, and trying to find a happy place between the two. Um, so my MO in any organization is to really set some KPIs and show them the data, right? You know, these keywords, you think this is the search term that your customers are using, but I have the evidence to suggest, no, no one's using that term. Only you three in the room are. So um, I'm always tying that back to, so a big thing is, you know, from an SEO uh, search term perspective, we try to, you know, we have metrics on ranking for certain words within top three, top 10. So that that was interesting. And then I, I do my monthly KPI reports uh, for the entire management team and the organization. And it was almost like a doomsday in, in March. I saw just a, like a cliff, like web traffic just completely went to a halt all the way, like 70% year over year, like crash. And I've never seen that ever in my entire career. I thought our website was broken. Like I, I had to go to it and be like, our website's working. Correct. Um, <laughs> it was well. It's interesting because back in March, like people were staying home more. I guess you had more time to Google search and stuff. But I think there was an increase in engagement for sure. So yes, overall traffic has decreased. But I think the traffic that is searching, it's still very relevant. They're they're looking to solve a problem, and they're um, we're all spread thin. We're all lean, especially in this type of environment. So. Um, that was really promising. At least the the people that were finding us were were definitely quality traffic and engaged. So, um, but definitely looking at where the ROI or the the opportunities were being converted as well. Um, most of that has come through the web now. So, looking at 2021, even if we go back to a new normal, I have evidence to say, wow, trade shows are not you have to have a goal. Maybe that might not be the ROI factor or the place to say, we're going to get a bunch of new customers. Maybe it's a thought leadership play. Maybe it's a brand awareness. Maybe it's just um, educating your channel partners. You have to really re reassess um, each activity to understand what the goal and objective is to say if it was a success or not. So maybe we shouldn't assign trade shows with such I guess putting them on a pedestal as much um, because I think that's definitely going to keep evolving um, with this post-pandemic era, or if the pandemic ever goes goes away. Um, so yeah, I think from a metric standpoint, seeing that drop in traffic makes me worried, but I see that the light is like it's getting better. So I'm 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 hoping that we're going to be out of this soon. <laughs> A couple of um, uh, points to that, I guess. One of the, you know, it's it's interesting when you watch the uh, news these days. It's easy to see reports of, you know, forty upwards, maybe even approaching fifty percent of people are suggesting they're not going to take a vaccine if one becomes available. 
So, uh, you know, when you start thinking about people coming together for a trade show next May, <laughs> you know, even if there is a vaccine, say, in December or January, it seems like these in-person events are, are, are there's, there's, there's at least going to be a, a fuzzy uh, gray middle zone before it gets back to that normal, yeah. uh, if it ever does. I think, I think as an exhibitor, um, I mean, we work with, we have a trade show exhibit house that helps, you know, come make our idea come to life through an exhibit or in-person display. Right. So the value that you're getting from either the exhibition management company putting on the expos or your own vendor for the, the display, how are they providing value to ensure that there's a safe place? And like, where does that liability lie? Like, I was really confused about that back in March. Like, wow, if this show still goes on, what do I have to take care of as an exhibitor? Do I have to make sure there's masks and sanitizer? Do I have to create like staging areas to interact with our display and our product like okay only here's a waiting zone here this the line six feet apart do i just keep my staff at a very bare minimum to ensure that we're not too crowded all of these things i was overwhelmed like i'm just i just i'm praying that our show is canceled like it was terrible for me to think about that because i used to be i love trade shows i love interacting with customers i like seeing how the product resonates with these new audiences. If you're introducing it, you learn a lot from just witnessing that interaction. And so my sales guys, I don't get to see unless I'm at dinner with them after a show or during the show. So I really look forward to those events. And that's been, you know, really sad. Like this whole year, you know, a zoom happy hour is not going to cut it. Like I, I really do miss hanging out with the guys in that regard. So, um, but I just, yeah, I was really overwhelmed as an exhibitor. I don't think the companies knew what to do to help alleviate some of those concerns. Like they tried their best and I will give them all a lot of credit across many different industries. You know, they're, they over communicated updates like, okay, we're still assessing the local laws, say in Atlanta, right? We're going to, we'll make a decision by the end of the month. And that was, that was good. Cause like I knew, okay yes, no, we're going to go, we're not going to go. And like, what is our plan then? So that was a lot of stress, right? <laughs> As we're trying to balance budgets that might be pulled in or pushed out. Um, and then now as I'm planning for 2021, yes, I have placeholders for events in April, May, July, but what's my contingency plan? So I have like an A and B plan. So I just sent it over to my boss yesterday. Hopefully he's not too uh, <laughs> confused with all of my uh, plan A, plan B, but you have to think that way. Cause I, I don't want to, I don't want to feel that stress like this past spring. You took the uh, question right out of my mouth. I was going to say, how has it changed how you're planning for next <laughs> year? Uh, and have you looked at more contingencies or frankly, uh, yeah. Have you Is chosen the trade to own... show the contingency yeah. now? Yeah. yeah, or uh, you know, maybe mm -hmm. you choose to only plan for six months in some way, shape, or form, yeah. knowing that you can only see so far ahead. But yeah, I mean, I'm hoping. Of course, I want people. I want a safe vaccine. I want people to take it again if it's safe. I have that as a caveat, but um, I don't want to rush back into a new normal or the way it used to be. I wanted to just make sure that this is an organic, you know, transition to whatever is safe and appropriate. 
Um, but you're right. Like maybe in my planning trade shows are not the forefront. So essentially I flipped my budget, say if it was 60, 40 trade shows to digital, I'm, I'm the opposite now. So whatever that ratio is, it's just, it's completely changed. And, uh, and definitely the use of like agencies to help fill that gap too has been interesting. So, you know, yeah, we're spending more on, you know, third parties to help with content generation because you need that for lead magnets and for CTAs and updating your website and managing so many different segments and having its own marketing plan from an AdWords perspective or paid social. Um, I can definitely see the merit in kind of outsourcing a little bit of that because before we were not experts in this digital space. Like I was the trade show girl. Um, But I've learned a lot in the last six months for sure. And uh, I definitely don't think things are going to change overnight, but you never know. It's certainly looking to, um, uh, I guess, evolve the, 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 the digital presence to um, where you see the buyers going and how their behavior will be in, in some ways more permanently altered because of the pandemic. I'd be curious to kind of, um, uh, dive into that a little bit more, I guess. What aspects do you think of it that of of the buying behavior um, is you know what aspects are kind of permanently changed? Maybe if you had to take out your crystal ball from the desk for a minute and decide you're going to look into the future a bit. I don't know if I'm going to answer your exact question, but I think um, nobody ever does. <laughs> <laughs> There's been a slow migration, especially in the B2B or industrial manufacturing space to that, I guess, omni-channel approach. You know, I think that we've really sped up in the last six months, the adoption of certain tactics to ensure that you are approaching a customer in the way that they want to be interacting with you. So there was definitely a lot of pain points. You know, people aren't just going to well, my generation, I just want to chat. I want to find my answer. I want to watch a YouTube video. Do not ask me to pick up a phone. Like we just don't do that. So I'm not discrediting, you know, people who want to pick up the phone and talk to a salesperson. It just, you have to be present in all the different channels, right? So adopting chat, Um, building out your content for people to be more self-service. I think that's huge. Video is huge. And also being mobile first, like everyone's on their phone. Um, That that is a key requirement. So if your website's not up to date, it's not loading fast enough on your phone, like that's what you have to think about, especially in times like today in the pandemic, you have no idea how people are working nowadays. It's very interrupt-driven. Like, People have kids at home. You're doing virtual school. A lot of people are working from their phone. They're working from a tablet. Um, They're trying to find answers to questions very quickly, and they don't have time to sift through a catalog or, you know, wait for your salesperson to call them back. And especially if you have workflows or no automation at all, you know, there's a lot of bottlenecks there, especially if your own workforce has cut hours or you furloughed people. There's a lot of things that have that happened in certain companies where there's challenges to being the best customer service oriented company. So that's what, that's something that I think has permanently changed hopefully, or at least the, the, the timeline has definitely sped up. 
Well, you mentioned this generational shift. And one thing that I've heard from uh, some uh, manufacturing marketers is they're, they're placing a bit of a bet that, um, or what, I guess what they're seeing in their customer base is the pandemic has driven a, a fairly significant early retirement bump. Um, people that were maybe going to be leaving the workforce three years from now or two years or, you know, some of those plans have dramatically accelerated to the point where, um, you know, uh, key sales talents heading out the door and things like that, uh, you know, for that concern. But also, of course, this would mean buyers. If, if, if we're seeing that on the sales side, we may be yep. seeing it on the buying side too. And and that opens up the door for even, in you know, that new generation of B2B buyers to even be more, um uh, I guess, prevalent, more than norm, right? Yeah, and it certainly points to a requirement for that digital presence and those touch points to be updated mm. in order to um, ensure that we're connecting with and contacting and, and allowing people to find us in the ways that they want to find us, you know, as the, as they, as the, as everybody gets younger. <laughs> Except, Except us. us. We're getting older. <laughs> I'm forever 29, so it's, that's fine. Um, yeah, and there's definitely extremes. Like some people, when you when we talk about this uh, subject, you know, brands shouldn't some brands shouldn't be on TikTok, right? Like that's something like that's just not appropriate. But people are definitely flocking to certain platforms, thinking like, oh, well, that's where the young people are. Um, but going back to your point of like salespeople or within your own organization, that brain drain we talk about where if you have some engineers or people who have are you know subject matter experts and you're not doing a great job cataloging or doing that knowledge transfer or you have to have a really great and strong hr strategy to ensure like you are pinpointing those key people in an organization like what is that backfill strategy or how do we do that knowledge transfer in a you know scalable manner too where um that one-to-one -one relationship, you know, you're not going to do that very quickly. You need to have a, a it's an organizational strategy um, to get that done. And from a, from a customer or a, from a buyer's perspective, there's probably a lot more education that we have to do as marketers to get them up to speed, to understand the pain points and the products. Cause maybe they weren't always the one in charge of this type of procurement, right? Someone else in the in their company was in charge of it and they might have not done that knowledge transfer about, you know, yeah, air filtration as an example, right? Or source capture. Um, so from the marketing standpoint, we have to make sure that awareness stage or the evergreen content is appropriate for this new audience in the channel that they want to participate in. So definitely having shorter tutorial like videos, um, you know, two second videos, 30 second videos. Instagram is really big. I think that is a missed opportunity if brands aren't taking advantage of it just to show off your product. And I think that is definitely something that has been interesting. Uh, when I, I worked for a robot company before this and Instagram was huge. Like we were getting quotes left and right via DMs. And like, as a marketer, how do you, how do you log that as a lead in CRM? Like, sent a DM, right? <laughs> so yeah, you have to update, of course, your CRM systems to ensure that you're, you're tracking the data the right way. And um, it's an interesting time, I'd say, uh, in terms of transitioning to, I guess, that younger demographic and, and, the, and the new technologies that are available.
It, uh, I think interesting certainly is one word for it. <laughs> and my goodness, we've, uh, you know, we've covered everything from, you know, how marketing is reacting to the pandemic to how sales is reacting to the pandemic to customers. And as it turns out, HR and engineers and knowledge extraction. And Yeah, it's a really a COVID, uh, post-COVID MBA is what we're trying to pull together with yeah. this episode, Jeff. <laughs> um, I'm wondering, just to, to kind of close off uh, the show, um, you referred to yourself. I, I wouldn't have said this, but you did, so I'm <laughs> going to use it. You said I was the trade show girl, and we've had to uh, adopt a lot more digital uh, focus in the last while. I guess, um, what would you say to other trade show guys or girls that are heading down that path? Maybe they didn't jump on it uh, you know, quite as quickly as you did. I'm curious, what advice might you have for them as we part ways? That's a very thought-provoking question. Let me think about that for a minute. Um, I think being able to look back at the goals of, you know, what were you trying to accomplish or achieve via a trade show? You know, is it that camaraderie from an internal perspective? Is it launching a new product or is it brand awareness? I think really pinpoint what that primary goal is and then how do you translate that effectively in a digital space? Like that's something that everyone is struggling with right now. Um, and I think when we, maybe I don't have, I'm just kind of talking now. I don't really have answers to this, but um, if we go back to a new normal, I think there's going to be way more scrutiny around investing in offline programs or in-person events, because I think there is just so much more risk or we've exposed those offline programs that may not have been delivering the intended results. So I don't think you can get away with, well, everyone's, you know, our big competitor is there. We have to be there, right? Like that is an argument I hear a lot. So the strength of the argument is going to be diminished. You're suggesting post COVID because the, basically the, the ROI challenge potentially of some of these in-person events has been exposed. Absolutely. Because I think a lot of our KPIs without these trade shows, like we're doing pretty well in terms of lead gen and the other things that I've signed up for in the beginning of the year. And I was very nervous about not hitting my goals. I'm very driven. So um, it's interesting now, like, wow, we got the same amount of results or even better. We're more efficient. We're not wasting our people's time and energy physically I'm in the the best shape of my life. I'm not like, you know, traveling all the time. I'm, I, I eat better. I'm, I'm sleeping better. Right. Um, so without all these events in the way, I'm way more productive. I'm working from home. <laughs> like I just, I'm able as a marketer to focus on so many other activities that aren't as labor intensive, um, that I, that were almost like pet projects, last year and now i'm like i'm actually able to invest my time and energy and i'm getting way more results that's uh so uh, i think uh you, you said you were just uh i'm just talking here i, I don't have an answer but i think you I, uh, produced a fantastic one so yeah. okay. thank you for sharing your uh experience and expertise with our audience today it's been a real pleasure oh thank you thank you for having me it's my first podcast so very excited well you you did great thanks a lot <laughs> <laughs> thank you Thanks for listening to The Cooler Ring with Carmen Perry and Jeff White. Don't miss a single manufacturing marketing insight. Subscribe now at coolapartners.com slash thecoolerring. 
That's K-U-L-A partners.com slash the cooler ring. <laughs> 